That was awesome. Thank you so much, Carter. I felt like I should have been sitting on a hill in West Virginia listening to that song. That was awesome. That was cool. How are we doing? Good? We're hanging in there? Have the winter blues got the best of you yet? I hope not. Maybe a little bit. Eh, looking at some of your faces. I'm not supposed to forget. I'm dismissing the kids for Kingdom Quest. I remembered this time. All right. Yes. There you go. I do what I can. I made my one mistake for the month this morning, so I can't make any more. So, kids, it is your time to head out to Kingdom Quest. You can head out, the teachers, and just follow Pat out right there, and for an awesome time of games and Bible stories out in the cafeteria. So head on out if you're interested in that. Well, again, it is great to be with you this morning. It's great to be with you uh, packed in here tight so we can stay warm uh, together. And again, my name is John. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you uh, yet before worship, I hope I do uh, afterwards. Um, one of the ways I like to meet, meet people is just to have you uh, say your name. So if you could, I'll say, I'll count to three. And if you could just say your name back to me, we'll just get to know each other because there's a lot of you I don't know. So I'm John. And if you could just say your name, one, two, three. Nice to meet you. All right. Uh, I think that I'll remember you now. Um, anyway, today it is, it is our prayer that as we come into this place, as we've experienced God uh, together, that you feel loved, that you feel welcomed. We want you to know, first and foremost, that here... Uh, that there's a place for you here, whether you feel like, man, I haven't been to church in a long time and I don't know what this whole thing is about. Um, we want you to know that this is a safe place to bring your doubts and your questions and your insecurities and everything that's going on uh, in your life. Um, so please make yourself at home. Uh, this is our living room, so consider yourself uh, at home and make yourself at home here. Um, if you have any questions about what's going on here at City Branch, please don't hesitate to ask. Um, most of us know what's going on. Some of us don't, um, but uh, we pray that you feel blessed today as we worship and, and experience God together. We pray that you have a chance to connect with other people, um, so please stick around after worship. Uh, we'd love to get to know you more. Um, there was a couple, and uh, they were traveling through the countryside, and they were lost. And so they, they spotted a, an elderly man on the side of the road, and pretty wise old man, and they stopped and hoping to get some directions. And so they stopped on the side of the road, and they asked this man, where are we at? And the old man asked, well, where are you going? He replied. The couple said, you know what? We don't really know. To which the old man said, well, then it doesn't really matter. And isn't it interesting how easy it is for us just like that to travel through our lives and never really have a clear-cut direction, never really walk confidently in a single direction, trusting God's leading. And so today, my hope is to do just that. I want to share with you a little bit of my story. I want to share with you a little bit of the story of our church and where we've been so far. Not only where we are at right now as a church, but also where we feel like God's leading us. A vision for where we're going as a church. And so today's message is going to have uh, a little bit different flavor to it. Um, I want to share with you, like I said, a little bit of my story, and so it's going to be a little bit reflective at parts, but I hope that within telling stories, stories are such a powerful thing. When we tell our stories, it, 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 it asks other people to say, where do I find my role in that story? How does that relate? Um, to, whoa, that was loud. I could preach like that. That would be cool. <laughs> Believe it or not to start with a little bit of uh, the story of City Branch. City Branch is over a year and a half old now. We're getting up there in years, in, in, in dog years at least. And so much 
has happened. So many incredible things has happened, and, and it's okay for a while for us to look back. Sometimes we're always charging forward and always charging forward, but sometimes it's important for us to look back. What we see here today, you sitting here experiencing God together as the body of Christ, is the answer to so many prayers. So many seeds that were planted a long time ago, dreams and visions that people had for a church with multiple locations. In, in this location, specifically in the city, you today are an answer to prayer. Prayers for a healthy, growing church in the city. This whole idea of City Branch began over two years ago now with the simple fact that Jesus wasn't a one-town guy, right? Jesus was not a one-town guy. He was always on the move. In fact, there's an instance in the Gospels where Jesus tells his disciples, for I must go and preach the good news to the other towns as well. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, that is why I was sent, to be on the move, to build the church. And so we're here specifically today because Jesus loves the city. That is the primary reason that we're here. And there are still tens of thousands of people that live within this area, that live within these neighborhoods, that have not experienced the life-changing love of God, and that's why we're here. We're not here to put on a show. We're not here to be fancy. Obviously, you've seen that already this morning. We're here because God loves the city. And man, are we just getting started. But as the story goes, a lot of times before we move forward, there's got to be some work that's done in us first. And that started with me about a year and a half ago. So there I was. I bet you're wondering where I'm going with that. So there I was. It was a Tuesday. And I was in our worship center there at our West Des Moines campus. And as you can tell, there's a few seats there, but they were empty because it was the middle of the day and it was a Tuesday. And I was sitting, you can't see it from this angle, from behind there, there's two levels of seats that go up. There's a balcony that goes up there in the back, if you've ever been out there. And I'm trying to paint that picture for you, but you can imagine a 2,400 seat worship space empty, except for me. And I'm sitting up there in the middle of the afternoon all alone with my head in my hands because I was stuck. I was stuck. It was about a month into my job here at Hope. It was about a month into my ministry, and I was in a daze. In fact, I was paralyzed with fear. And so I sat face down with my head in my hands because it hadn't taken long. It didn't take long for me to look around us into some of these parts of the city where I'd never been before, getting to know people's stories, talking to other leaders, churches here in the city, getting my hands dirty, immersing myself in the messiness of people's lives, in the messiness of my own life as well, not to mention everything that was going on personally for me, and I was paralyzed with fear. Because I'd realized that just within a few miles of where we are here today and within a few miles of Hope and West Des Moines, just 10 minutes, 15 minutes down the road in our area here, this place that we come every single week, there's people that don't have proper shelter and warmth in the winter. There's children who have been abandoned by their parents and are walking the streets and they have nowhere to go. People standing in line every single morning 
at places just a few blocks from where we are right now, people standing in line every single morning waiting for handouts of food, for basic hygiene products just to make it through another day. Dozens of refugee families have been displaced right into our area here. The world has come to Des Moines. More children than ever without fathers in the homes, in the home, crime everywhere you look, homes right next to existing churches that are falling apart at the seams inside and out. And that was just a snapshot, (laughs) just a glimpse. And you want to talk about a rough first month on the job. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. And so there I, could sat, there I sat and all I could do when I was there in the worship center all alone reflecting on this is list off all the reasons why I should just be done. List off all the reasons why I should just pack up my bags and call it quits. Why I should go somewhere else and work for a different church or move to a different ministry that was a little bit more safe, that was a little bit more manageable, that was a little bit more something that I could get my mind around. I mean, really, I'm just a small-town guy from Story City, Iowa. And if you know anything about Story City, Iowa, I don't know the first thing about diversity. The only thing that we have as far as diversity in Story City, Iowa is the German Lutherans over there, the Norwegian Lutherans over there, and the Swedish Lutherans over there. I don't know anything about diversity. I'm from Story City. And here I am plopped down in in the middle of the inner city. And I'm thinking, how can I possibly make a dent in all these issues? God, there's so many things around us that you just you seem absent in. God, where are you? I mean, where do we even start? It's not just about me, it's about our congregation. I mean, I don't even know where we're going to start. Because we're surrounded by people that have never and may never step foot in a church service, and that's okay, but I don't even know how to reach them. They're not thinking necessarily about where they're going to worship on Sunday. They're thinking about, how am I going to make it through the next day? Right? Where am I going to get my next meal at? The need is just too great. It's just too overwhelming. Frozen. Paralyzed. It's easy to feel that way sometimes, isn't it? No matter if we're looking around our city or no matter where we look, it's hard when evil seems to be having its way. It's hard when the powers that are at work in this world seem to be winning. And so we're dealt... Another blow this week, of course, as you've all heard with what happened in Haiti, but that's not it. I mean, you can name off the list. Cedar Rapids, Parkersburg, Katrina, one thing after another. And so when we're faced with these realities, we have a lot of different options, and all of us at one time or another have probably reacted in different ways. Some of us, maybe it's, it's shock or maybe it's, it's anger at first. God, why are you allowing this? Or maybe it's pessimism that, that oh, the, the world's just going, just going downhill anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe it's just apathy. Maybe for some of us, when we, when we see this world around us, it's, it's apathy. And we say, you know what? I've, I've never been to some of these places. I don't know what it's like there. It doesn't really affect me, so it doesn't really matter. But usually, if you're like me, it's disbelief, even fear. And so you just kind of stand on the stage of life frozen. And you're not really sure what to do next. And so I'm sitting there all alone in one of the seats up there in the balcony. And I'll have to admit, this is, this is one of the first times that I had been in the worship space. And if you want to flip it ahead to the next slide there, 
I had never really looked at the front of the worship space there in West Des Moines. I just kind of got a tour and I'd walk through and, whoa, that's a big church. And then I just kind of went on my way, never really assuming that I would have anything to do with it. And so I'd never really looked towards the front. And so I'm sitting there in the balcony and I've got my head in my hands and I kind of look up and then I look out and I see this huge cross And I'll be honest with you, I was not being theological at this point. I'll be honest with you. The first thing that went through my head when I saw that cross was, holy cow, that's a huge cross. But then it's almost like God said, John, will you start there? Will you give yourself the grace to start at the foot of the cross? In fact, will you give your burdens to me? All those things that you're carrying, all those worries and fears that you have, that you're not really making a difference, that you can't really make an impact in this world. Give those burdens to me. In fact, John, give those people to me. It's one of the clearest things I've ever heard. Give them to me because they're mine anyway. They're mine. And God began to speak. And so the question is not necessarily, is God still speaking? The question is, are we listening? Because the fact is, as I heard God start to speak into my heart, John, it's not about you. In fact, it never has been about you. It never will be about you, about your dreams, about your visions, about your great ideas. It's not about any of that. In fact, those people out there, and I looked out into the seats and I saw this huge auditorium full of 2,400 open seats and we could fill this entire gym from wall to wall with seats. And it's almost like God is saying to us this morning, imagine every single one of those seats empty. Those seats represent my people that I love. It represents people that are not here yet. It represents people that I love. All of those seats. They represent people that have never and may never step into a church building, but I love them and it doesn't mean that we forget about them. They're out there and they need to know my life-changing love. In fact, God says, I'm already there. No matter what situation you're facing today, whether it's my story and looking over the city, whether it's your story, whatever you're dealing with today, God says, I'm already there. I was there long before anybody else got there. And I've been pursuing them with my love. The church is my idea, not yours. And so what is required of us? If God says, the church is my idea, what is it that we're supposed to do? And we get a glimpse into that, into our scripture today. So let's look at this uh, up on the screen. Let's read this together uh, from Micah. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. At surface level, it's not overly complicated. It seems pretty simple, right? Three simple things. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. On the surface. But it's difficult for us sometimes. Because a lot of times what we try to do is muster up that passion by ourselves. We try to muster up those feelings of compassion. And God says it's not about that. It's not about you conjuring those things up in your heart. It's about my heart in you. 
And so a few days later, I'm meeting with a mentor of mine, and I'm still pretty distraught with my job, wondering, what have I gotten myself into here? And, uh, and how difficult it's been, and I'm telling him about all these things that I'm struggling with, and, and I don't even know where to start, and I'm just a small-town guy, and I don't know what I'm doing, and how do I even make an impact, and how do you do justice, and how do you love mercy, and, and all of that. And he just said, John, just stop. Just stop already. There's one thing that I think you need to do. There's one thing that I think you need to ask God to break your heart. Well, wait a minute. You've got to be kidding me. Break my heart? That's usually not a good... One thing. Break your heart. Ask him to break your heart for those same people. Will you start there? And so a week later, I'm still pondering that, over, that thought over in my mind, and so I grab my wife and we go for a walk and past some of the same streets and in some of the neighbor, same neighborhoods and past some of the same homes that we've been to. This is just a little over a month into being here, and so I'm making my way around the city, and we're just walking, and we stop at an intersection. Been there many times before. And so I said, honey, let's just stop this time and let's listen. Let's, let's close our eyes and let's just listen. But this time, let's listen with our hearts. And so we closed our eyes and we started listening. And at first, I just heard, you know, cars screeching and car stereos and annoying dogs barking. But then I heard husbands and wives yelling at each other. Kids screaming in anger. Doors slamming, sirens blaring. Maybe even in the midst of it all, a church bell ringing. But this time it was different. And I turned to my wife and I said, I wonder, do you think that's what Jesus hears when he listens to the city? And it was at that moment that I felt God start to break my heart in a really good way, in a life-changing way. What would Jesus' reaction be? What's on his heart? And so the question for all of us is, what do you hear around you these days? That's happened multiple times here. What do you hear? What do you hear when you listen to the city? Not just with your mind, but when you listen with your heart. Because this isn't just about city branches. What do you hear in your friends, in your circle of friends, in your family, in your circle of influence, in your neighborhood today? And so I got to thinking, man, I'm not very good at this. And I wonder if there was something that I could get that would, that would make it easier to listen to things around me, to, to find out what's really going on in the city. That when I'm walking around and I'm talking to people and I'm looking at people's homes and I'm having interactions with different people and places, what if there was something that I could have that would help me understand what's going on underneath the surface? Almost like a, like a stethoscope. You know, like a, like a stethoscope for life that you could just kind of go around to people and, and put it on them and, oh, that's what's really going on inside. Or you could put, you know, going around the city, you can hold it up to things and it would tell you what's going on inside. Well, guess what? They invented just the thing. And I think that you'll want one. Take a look.
I know, you want one of those, don't you? They don't have them at Walmart, by the way. Interesting way that the video ends with the stethoscope placed on your heart. So the question today is not only what do you hear when you listen to the city, but what happens when the stethoscope is placed on you? And so we need to be constantly asking, God, what are you doing in my family? What are you doing in my home? What are you doing in my workplace? And more importantly, what are you doing inside of me? The question for us this morning is, when that stethoscope is placed on our hearts, does it beat for the things that God's heart beats for? Does it feel what he feels for mercy and for justice? Maybe we don't need a stethoscope. Maybe what we really need to do is lean in to the heart of God. In the Gospels, we get a a glimpse into Jesus' heart for his people, for the city. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is approaching the city of Jerusalem. This is going to be his final week on earth. And he finally has a, a moment to slow down. And all the crowds around him, he finally has a moment to slow down and to stop and to listen. In verse 41, it says this, As Jesus approached the city... He looked and he wept for it. He wept for the city. Not in, not in judgment, not in anger, but in compassion. Because Jesus took the time to slow down, to close his eyes, and to listen for the heartbeat of the city. And so, for the past year and a half, we've been doing this as a congregation. We've been slowing down and listening to what's around us. And this isn't about me just listening. It's about all of us listening. Remember, we're flying together in that flying V formation. This is about all of us moving in the same direction. And so as leaders, we feel that at City Branch, God has laid out a very specific mission for us here in the city. And when I say our mission, all of that is under the context of Jesus' mission and, of course, what God is doing hope-wide through hope. So look at your neighbor. This is really important stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss out now. This is really important. 
We know that Jesus gave two very famous commands, two very famous chunks of Scripture that he wants us to remember. And the first one is the Great Commission. Well, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, Jesus gives us the Great Commission from Matthew 28. And let's read that together up on the screen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. The next one is from Mark chapter 12, and this is the great commandment, not to be confused with the great commission. The great commandment from Mark chapter 12. Let's read that together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've got the great commission and we've got the great commandment. And I was trying to think about this and I thought, hmm, it's kind of like an umbrella, just so we're not confused here. Up above everything, everything that we do is under the context of the great commandment and the great commission. That's what we base everything that we do as a church off of. Now, underneath that, hope has, has, a, has a specific mission statement that we are under as well. Not as a burden, not as a rule, but for common direction. And that is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. You've heard that over and over and over. Now what we're getting to is the specific stuff. We feel that God has given us a specific mission here at City Branch in a very specific way for the context of the city. It's not in place of right? It's just getting more specific. We're moving down the funnel. And the mission is not something we made up. We weren't just sitting around having tea and fig newtons one day and just said, oh, we think this would be a fun mission to do. No, we are participating in what God is already doing, right? Anything that we do in ministry, we're not making it up as we go. Well, sometimes we are because we don't know what we're doing, but it's all under the context of what God is already doing. God is on a mission to bring people back into a relationship with him. And so we feel at City Branch, God has given us two very specific areas that we're going to be focusing on, at least for this season of our ministry. One of them is building missional leaders. Let's say that together. Building missional leaders. And the other one is building bridges to the city. Let's say that together. Building bridges to the city. And so the reason for this is not just that we have some fun lingo to go off of. The reason for this is that we're all flying together, moving together, rowing together, flying together in the same direction so that if tomorrow you're walking down to work and somebody on the street comes up to you and says, Hey, you go to, is that hope, right? The the church there on the, yeah, in the school, right? Yeah. What's going on over there? I see those signs out there on 47. What's that all about? What are you, what are you doing over there at that church? What's, what's going on over there? And instead of just going, uh, uh, donut, donut holes and and uh, I guess the worship band's pretty cool. Uh, worship leader, he's a pretty hip-looking guy. And yeah, I can, no, you know, I don't really know. I've never really thought about that. Well, now you know, okay? And basically, we're putting it under the context of building missional leaders, building bridges to the city. Basically, what you need to say is, you know what? We're learning to become like Jesus. We're becoming missional leaders. And the easy way of saying that is, we're learning to be disciples of Jesus. We're learning to walk in the ways of Jesus and how that works out in our everyday lives. In fact, we're also trying to build, build bridges. We're trying to reach out to the city around us and bring other people into community with us. It's pretty easy, right? It's not too complicated. So what I want to do is unpack that a little bit now because those are kind of, 
I don't know, churchy words, right? Missional leaders, what's that all about? So we're going to take it apart piece by piece. So if you're taking notes, just kind of take these words or these phrases one by one, and we're going to talk about what this means. So first of all, building missional leaders. How are we going to do that? Up on the screen. By cultivating, equipping, and encouraging a community of disciples living out the gospel with intentionality in all walks of life. So first of all, missional. What's that all about? What's this missional thing about? It means that the number one thing that we're about is sharing the gospel, is about being the church outside of these walls as well. In other words, it's just as much about the people that are out there as it is about us that are here. We're not distracted by all the the arguments and debates that would clamor for our time as a church. We're staying very focused on the things that are eternal. That's what being missional means. Our, our faith is not stagnant. Our, our faith as a church is not something that we just kind of clamp onto the side of us once a week on Sunday and then we take it off when church is done and we walk back out into our normal lives. No, we're missional because it's who we are. You are the church. You are witnesses for Christ wherever you go. But first, notice before anything else, we're disciples. It all starts with a community of disciples. Because the danger for us as a church, as we look at all the things that we could do as a church, all the ideas that we could do, the danger for us as a church is to be busy doing so many things that we never stop and look inside. We never really ask of ourselves, first, am I being changed? Are we becoming disciples ourselves? Are we experiencing the same things that we're trying to teach other people. Because the truth is, you can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you don't have. And that's why Jesus spent three years, his entire time on earth, pouring into investing in the lives of 12 ordinary guys who were then equipped to go and reach out as broken and as messed up as they were. That's what he spent his time doing. And so what does this mean for us as a church? It means that we take discipleship very seriously. We take small groups very seriously because we believe that growth takes place the best when we get into each other's lives. And praise God for that. Praise God for doing life together. Do you know that we have 12 small groups going, covering almost every single night of the week? And the reason for that is because you've seen the power of what it looks like when you get inside of each other's lives. And it makes coming here on Sunday mornings that much more full, that much more rich, right? Because you're family. These aren't strangers you're sitting next to today. You're family because you've already been doing it during the week. And so we're not going to do 50 things halfway. We're going to do a few things really, really well. And we're going to be very intentional because we can do programs and we can do outreach all day long, but we can do it on empty. And that's not good for anybody. And so Jesus gives us this powerful reminder in John chapter 15. Jesus talking about, how do you stay connected with me when you're doing ministry? Let's read this together. John chapter 15. We got that up there? There it is. Awesome. Let's read this together. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, that's powerful. Nothing. Nothing. So the question is, where are your roots? Where are you connected? Because the truth is that busyness does not automatically equal discipleship. 
Let me say that again. Busyness does not automatically mean discipleship. Right? Coming to worship once a week does not automatically mean discipleship. It's pretty easy to come and go through the motions and never really engage your heart. And so we let our goal shift from making an impact to wanting more and more of God and then leaving the results up to him. Whether that's you personally or us as a church. It's not about we're going to go and change people. We're going to go and make an impact. It's saying, God, we want more and more of you. I want to learn to live like you, to be your disciple, and we're going to leave the results up to you. Because this message, it's got to be true of us first. It's got to be true of us first. We're all at different places on our journey, every single one of us. And so we simply want to help you take that next step, whatever it may be for you. Because the best leaders are first followers. And so why leaders? That that next part Building missional leaders. What's that all about? You might be saying, well, John, I, I'm not really a leader. In fact, I, I'm just more of a follower. I just kind of like to go along with the crowd. I don't, I don't really want to be a leader. I don't have time for that. I got a pretty busy life. I don't want all that responsibility. But if you think about being a leader as someone that has influence in different areas of your life, in your, of your life well, then that's all of us, Right? Every single one of us is a leader because we're followers of Christ. People are looking at you. In other words, as followers of Christ, we're called to share the gospel with our lifestyles, not just with our words, in any situation that we're in. And it does, it's not defined by, by where you live. It's not defined by how old you are. It's not by, defined by how prepared you think you are or how long you've been walking and doing this Christian thing. It's not defined by any of those things. Notice Jesus says to us, You are salt. You are light. You are my witnesses. He doesn't say you have a choice. He says you are. Once you decide to follow me, you represent me. And you get to determine how salty you are, how bright you are, how good of a witness you are. But you are those things. And so start living your life, not on the bench as a spectator sport, but get in the game. Get in the game. And so Jesus says, I want you to start thinking about the people that you see and the places that you go every single day. Start thinking about the 167 hours a week that you're not here (laughs) instead of just the one hour that you are here a week. Jesus says, I have given you that family, that circle of friends, that specific job, those life circumstances right now for a reason. Not so you can complain and say, oh, it's not an ideal situation. I'll get serious about my faith later on. He says, I have given you those things in your life specifically for a reason right now, and I want you to pour into those places of your life as if you will be there for the rest of your life. Sometimes we get to thinking, "Ah, I'm kind of a mobile person. I don't really know what I'm going to be doing in a few years, and I don't really want to get connected anywhere. Jesus says, do it like it's going to be, like you're going to be there for the rest of your life. Pour into those people. When you look at the early church, it was far less about coming to a place of worship and just kind of consuming things, and it was much more about investing in the lives of the people that were around you. And in that sense, you're a missionary. You ever think about that? You're a missionary. It's not just for people that are flying in airplanes over to Africa or going to Haiti. You are a missionary every single day of your life as a follower of Christ. Because if we're in mission, which we're talking about this morning, this is our mission as a church If we're a mission, you're a missionary. And so why don't you just humor me just a little bit? I know. Just turn to your neighbor and say, congratulations, you're a missionary. 
And it's this missional mindset that we always want to keep in front of us. And that's why we want to help cultivate, equip, and encourage you. Because a lot of you are doing this in so many ways. And that's incredible. And we just want to come alongside of you as a church and support you in what you're already doing through meeting each other's homes and getting involved with the arts and different community groups here in the city. That's exactly what you should be doing. And so the question is, what if the church wasn't something that stole you out of the places that you're already in? Rather, what if the church was something that came alongside you and equipped you and encouraged you to shine your light even brighter in the places that you already are? That's the kind of church we want to be. Another way of looking at that is, you ever drive around town, probably not this time of year, but those big, massive trampolines that are in the back of people's uh, yards that have young kids, and the kids are out there, and they're just shooting up sky high. We want to be a church that's much more like a trampoline than a holding tank, like a fish tank where the, the fish is just kind of swimming in circles. It's not really going anywhere. We want to be the kind of church that when you come here on Sunday, that you jump on that trampoline and you ride that momentum back out into your lives, that you are challenged and equipped to go back out into those places you already are, instead of just being a holding tank, instead of just being a club. In fact, throughout history, We've seen Christianity spread, even thrive, in some of the most unlikely situations. And one of those places is Calcutta. And a lot of you have heard of Calcutta because of the work of Mother Teresa, and she spent almost her whole life there working with the poor. And the story is told of a woman who was ready to leave her entire life behind. She said, Mother Teresa, I'll, I'll pack up all my things because and, and, that's the most godly thing that I could do is come and do ministry with you in Calcutta because that's where I need to be because I'm truly called and that's where I need to be as a missionary. To which Mother Teresa looked at her and said, thank you, but first, find your Calcutta. Find your Calcutta. What is your Calcutta today? What is that circle of influence that only you're in, in your backyard, in your cubicle, in your own home? For us as a church, it's just right down the interstate here in the city. And so as leaders, we've been continually asking God, if this is our Calcutta, what is your heart for the city? What kind of a church are we going to be? And I ran across this quote by Vaughn McLaughlin that asked this, If your church were to leave the community that it's in, would people miss it? Not the people in your church, the people that have never been to your church. Would they miss you? Would they weep for you? That's a powerful question. And so how exactly do we become that kind of church? And I love his answer. He says this, the most important thing that you need It's not a building. It's a burden. A burden. And this is where we get to bridges. The second key component of our mission. God, what is the burden that you've placed on our hearts? Why bridges, you might ask? Bridges connect. They don't divide. Bridges bring people together instead of drawing up lines. And last but not least, bridges are everywhere. So it's just a good reminder. But, unfortunately, the church hasn't always done a good job of weaving itself into the life of the community. And so instead of being a church that alienates ourselves from the community around us, 
whether it's because we're scared or we're uncomfortable or because we don't know what to do, Jesus gives us an example of the opposite. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. Jesus is concerned with those that are not in relationship with him next. Jesus says, I didn't come to be comfortable. I came to serve. Jesus was a bridge builder. And so what does that look like for us? Well, here's how we put it. Through community, discipleship, and outreach opportunities in local neighborhoods to become a visible and life-giving presence. That's why we're here. That's why we're here specifically on the ground. And so if somebody came up and asked me, you know, what, what, what is City Branch all about? And, and I told them, and, and, and that was great and everything, but the, the people that we never get to talk to, the people that we never get to interact with, the people that know about us, the people that know about Hope, the people that know about City Branch, what if the very first thing that came to their mind when they heard about us as a church was, wow, they love. Wow, do they love. Not the donut holes, not the worship leader, not anything like that. Oh, they worship in a school. That's great and that's fine. Wow, do they love. And they make this neighborhood a better place to live. I hope they never leave. Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't that be incredible? Jesus says by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so instead of holding services and waiting for people to come to us, we go to them. And I'll admit, we don't always quite know what we're doing, but we go and we start. And so we befriend our refugee brothers and sisters and we, we give out hot chocolate to those people on a cold day and, and we, we bring a can to fill the van like we're going to do here in a few weeks. And we, we provide a place of worship for those people that don't have a church home because we're all family here anyway. We're continually talking with other churches in our area. How can we help you? Brothers and sisters, how can we help you? How can we do ministry better together? We're constantly asking, God, where are you and where can we join you? Building missional leaders, building bridges to the city. You can't separate them. We're doing both simultaneously. Disciples naturally serve. Disciples naturally build bridges. That's what we do. But it's got to be real in us first. And this is when God reminds us all again. It's not about you. All this talk of mission and what we're going to do in the city has nothing to do with you and has everything to do about me working through you. God says, I'm going to change you. When you serve, when you let my heart get inside of you, I'm going to change you. I'm going to change you from the inside out. It's not just about pushing across an agenda or I I have this social justice idea or I want to get across my own political agenda or anything like that. These are issues because for us, because they're God issues. It starts with intimacy with God. What is on your heart? I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be a disciple of you. I want to follow you. And so I'm going to end up loving the things that you love. It changes you. And we're changing I mean, look around you. You can see it. We're changing. And we want you to know that there's a place for you here. Whether you feel like it or not, God says to you today, my grace is big enough for you. And he looks at you personally today. And he says, no matter who you are, 
no matter what you've done, there is a place for you here. And God says to us, I want to break your heart. I want to break your heart with my love so that there's so much of it, you just don't know what to do with it and you have to give it away. To close, I want to show you just a really short video. I want to let a few of our brothers and sisters that are now part of our community introduce a slideshow of some pictures, just a glimpse into what God has done here over the past year and a half. What God does when we simply get out of the way. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. Let's take a look. John thirteen thirty four. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. stand together. Just a glimpse. Just a glimpse. Only the beginning of what God is doing among us. We're becoming disciples. We're building bridges. And I can't wait for what God is going to do in us and through us in 2010. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer?
God, it's all about you. It's all about you. And so today, would you help us to just slow down? Would you help us to stop worrying and fretting about all those things that, that weigh heavy on our hearts today? And would you help us to just give them to you? God, I pray that anything we do would start at the foot of the cross in your grace. God, every single one of us is carrying things today. And God, we release those things. We pray a spirit of freedom over this place to be who you created us to be, both as individuals and as a church. God, we're so excited to be here in the city and to be a part of what you're doing. And I pray that we wouldn't miss one second of it. God, would you help us to fly together? Would you help us to do church as a team? Because we're family. And every single one of us here today has a role to play in that. Whether we feel ready or not, God, you make us ready by the power of your Holy Spirit. You have given us the authority to go and to make disciples and to love as you have first loved us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for today. Amen. As we leave today, uh, I'm going to substitute my normal blessing. Uh, Instead of that, I want to give you a specific blessing for today that I think is rather fitting for us as a church. As you go today, may God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live from deep within your heart. May God bless you today with anger at injustice, oppression, and the exploitation of people so that you may work for justice and freedom and peace. May God bless you today with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to them and comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And finally, may God bless you today with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world, that you can make a difference in this city, that you can do what others claim cannot be done. That is God's blessing for you today. Amen? Amen. Our final song.